It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking about the new role of managers, guidance counselors. Yes, you heard me, the new role of managers, guidance counselors. Now that can seem like an overstatement, but let's lay some context here. So years ago, if you think about how many of us listening right now, how we grew up, we grew up in environments where we had guidance counselors within the schools that would focus on our growth and development. Now, I do believe that guidance counselors today still get to focus on our growth and development of our children, but it looks different. The growth and development means immediate growth and development. It means safety and security and creating that environment. Now, years ago, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, however old you are when you were in school, it was about how do we how do we encourage these children to figure out what it is that they want to do, what their opportunities are post high school, whether that means going on to collegiate opportunities, whether that means getting a job, going into some kind of secondary school, whatever that looked like. The guidance counselors were there to be that that bridge between the next chapter of their lives. Today, guidance counselors are inundated with violence, with mental health stability, with uh, teacher the disengagement, the level of teachers that are leaving the schools right now. So there are all kinds of statistics that we can look at that are showing that the environment that is happening within the school system is very different than it was 30, 40 years ago. And it's been this way for the last five or so, five to 10 years. So what does that mean for us as employers? Well, we've got people coming out of high school or having been out of high school during this time period over the last five to 10 years, and they're coming into the workforce and they haven't had a lot of this development about what do I wanna do? So it's affecting us, it's affecting our partners at the schools, at the, the post-collegiate schools, so going there, and it's affecting our schools, our K through 12 schools. So these kids are coming out and I'll call them young adults, actually, they're not even kids at this point, they're coming out and they don't necessarily have the skills to be in the environment with other professionals. They don't know how to work through some of the challenges that they're, they're experiencing. All they see is the distrust that the score that's happening in the country right now. They're seeing the polarity that is happening in this world and that's what they know as normal. So they get into the workplace and a challenge occurs. Well, they don't have the tool set to pull from in order to regulate that challenge. Their emotional intelligence levels aren't necessarily as high. Now there is good news. What I'm seeing in the lower, the K through 12, but really the emphasis on K through five is that, that they're seeing this happening now and they're saying, whoa, okay, we really got to focus on <coughs> excuse me, social emotional intelligence at the K through five level. And so many schools are now building K through five social emotional intelligence programs, which in theory, 20 years from now should reset all of this. And it won't it'll no longer be the new role of managers to be guidance counselors. It'll just be management and coaching. And that will just be common practice. But that's not how it is now. It's not how it is now. So now you've got a group of people that have come out of school, whatever that looks like. But they don't necessarily have the skills to understand how to work with other people. They don't necessarily have the skills to create vision. 
they don't necessarily have the skills to be able to work with others. And it creates a lot of challenges in the day-to-day -day environment. And so now managers who, let's be honest about how managers typically get promoted. It's somebody who was good at a job who then got promoted to the next level of the job. It wasn't because they were good at leading people. It was because they were great at a specific task. And so then they got promoted. Now we know, we've talked about on the show before, we know that people stay around because there are growth opportunities. So somebody might want to leave if there aren't growth opportunities. So we create growth opportunities as responsible employers. We create growth opportunities for our employees. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the next level of responsibility for somebody is to lead other people. But yet that's oftentimes what happens. So now let's just look at this. The perfect storm has happened. You've got somebody who's very mechanically minded, technically skilled, who's been promoted who does not have any sort of skills as far as leading other people. And all of a sudden they're tasked with leading other people. So you've got that challenge. And then on the other side, you've got these people that don't necessarily know how to work with other people. They haven't been developed. And you've got somebody who doesn't know how to develop them leading somebody who doesn't know how to get along with others. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. It's just, it's this challenge of, Okay, I, you could see the storm coming like a firework and we're surprised when it erupts. What is happening here? I mean, that's, that's what we, keep, we say. We see challenges in the workplace. Now, we don't, need to be, we don't need to be vague about this. We can be very specific. I was working with a client. This client was in a manufacturing company. Was I, my client was the, the C-suite, the CEO of the company and the second in command at the company. So I was coaching both of them. And they were telling me about a situation that was happening on the plant floor. They, this company made a very specific product. And these two people, two of their employees, were actually parents. And their kids were getting into fights at school. One of them was bullying another. And the dads at work got wind of this. Now, the dad of the kid that had been bullied he felt like he'd been bullied at work by the same person, by this guy's dad. So you have bullying at the school and then you have bullying at the workplace. So now what happened? These two people, they got in a fight, a literal fist fight on the plant floor. Now they had been verbally altercating, verbally yelling at each other for weeks, but it escalated as soon as the fight at the school escalated. So they heard about their kids getting into a fight. The guy that was feeling bullied said, he's going to take this dad on, goes into work and he beats up the, the dad of the bully. And now he becomes the bully. And so the, the CEO, he calls me up and he says, this just happened. And we talked through how we got to support them and how we got to really understand because where are you going to reprimand? Are you going to reprimand the bully for being a bully? You can represent, are you going to reprimand the guy who got bullied, but then turned into the bully? And so there were multiple layers here. And ultimately this came down to tolerance within the company. So what was the tolerance for violence? What's the tolerance for bullying? And so the same conversations that schools are having, but we also get to have them in the workplace and we get to have very strict or I don't have to use that kind of word, but just clear. Clear is a better word than strict. Very clear rules on how we handle these kinds of interactions. And while this may seem crazy, 
Because on one hand, I want to think, can't we just all come to work and do our jobs? Sure. But that is not the state where we all are. And so that is why this show today is called the new role of managers, guidance counselors. The new role of managers, guidance counselors. So that's the context for today. We're going to talk about how do we be the guidance counselor? Because it doesn't mean we have to necessarily have the office where people can go and have a conversation like the I feel statements that I learned in fifth grade. So in fifth grade, we had the role of conflict managers. And this is a role that you could volunteer to be in. And you would be a conflict manager for the rest of the school. So the K through four students. So if there was conflict on the playground, you would call in a conflict manager and the conflict manager would work with these other students to resolve it. So by the time I got to fifth grade, I was so excited about being a conflict manager. I raised my hand and said, I'll be a conflict manager. I had no idea at the time we were learning emotional intelligence, but I thought this sounds fun. And I learned a statement that maybe you've heard before. And here it is. This was, this was my role as a conflict manager. Here's what I got to walk everybody through. I feel blank when you blank and I'd like you to blank. So I feel blank when you blank and I'd like you to blank. Now the blanks are supposed to be fill in words and that is the conflict manager. I don't get to pick the words, but I get to support the people in front of me in articulating their problem using this framework. I feel blank when you blank and I'd like you to blank. So I feel mad when you say I'm stupid and I'd like you to stop. This is a very clear demand or request. I feel mad when you say I'm stupid and I'd like you to stop. Now, if you imagine a playground with a bunch of second, third, fourth graders, somebody saying I'm, you're stupid, that, that's something that very well could happen. And so to pull a, let's just say two third graders in and as a conflict manager in fifth grade, I would walk them through this, I feel blank when you blank and I'd like you to blank. And so these kids can understand that. So somebody in there, in, in essence, if somebody's saying they're, they're stupid, feels like they're being bullied, I feel bullied or I feel sad, whatever the word is. And so you can walk them through that process. So that's, that was my role as a conflict manager in fifth grade. But what I'm seeing happen in companies today is that this exact same philosophy can happen at your company. It's the role of the conflict manager. Now, this could be the new manager. It could be Take that idea, just borrow that idea from fifth grade and have conflict managers in your company. That's essentially the role that we're asking of managers. And it's not our job to judge. So if we've got, if I'm the manager and I've got two employees sitting in front of me, it's not my job to judge whatever the situation is because I am not the judge and I am not the jury. My job is to get them to be able to work together in a productive environment. And if they can't work together in a productive environment, then my job is to identify what the solution is in moving forward. Maybe one of them doesn't work there. Maybe both of them don't work there. But that's my job, not to judge them on what's happening. So essentially, I've got two employees in front of me and I get to walk them through this I feel statement. I feel blank when you blank and I'd like you to blank. And if we can articulate it that clearly, that's really powerful. But that's our job as managers. Now, where, tell me, where in management school did we learn this stuff? 
I went to business school and I didn't, I went to management class even, but I'll tell you what we learned in management class. We learned how to move product. We learned theory. We did not learn how to lead other people. And especially when the other people aren't kind and just doing their job. But this is one of the biggest problems happening in the corporate world today. And so this is why it's so important that we talk about this, because we know that people leave their jobs because one, they don't like their, their bosses. They leave because of bosses. Two, they leave because of a lack of opportunity. And three, they leave because they don't feel safe in the environment, especially in a manufacturing world, but absolutely in professional services. You get somebody that's really solid in their job and wants to take everyone else down, that is toxic to the environment of your company. And so what do you do about it? How do you be the guidance counselor? What do you get to focus on for your company in order for it to thrive? That's what we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about. We're going to cover no shame because shame does not actually, it's not something that gets to exist in coaching other people or developing them. So we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about how we get to see all of the employees' values and remind them because that's really important. We're going to talk about feedback. We've had shows on the, the Kathleen Ration Show. We've had episodes that just specifically talk about feedback. We're going to cover that again because it's so important. How do you get received feedback? How do you receive feedback? So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about creating growth opportunities. Because when somebody feels stuck, they often go into a bullied mentality. And so when you can create growth opportunities for your employees, you can work through a lot of these challenges. So that's what's ahead for this show today. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we'll dig right into the no shame philosophy. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and I will talk to you just after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspire Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we've been talking all about the new role of managers, guidance counselors. Now, nobody signed up to be a guidance counselor when you stepped into the corporate world. It didn't even know that role exists. Perhaps it exists in the HR space, maybe, but it is actually something that now is integrated into any 
management level role that exists. Which is kind of scary because we don't often give the tools for this. And that's what this show about is about today. So the number one thing that we talked about, the first one that we're gonna cover is the no shame philosophy. No shame philosophy. Now, here's what I see happening a lot when I coach a lot of the managers. So they'll address, I'll be one-on-one -on -one with a with the manager and I will say, so tell me about what's going on. So let's just say they have an inter interaction with their employees and they're frustrated about it. And I'll say, tell me what's going on. And they'll say, tell me what, they'll give me the scenario. So for example, again, we don't need to be vague. I can give you a very specific example. I'm talking with a client the other day and he says to me, well, I'm, I was really frustrated because this employee is not showing up on time. So the entire team can get here, but this one just can't seem to get on time. They had a meeting, a work day in the office. Now this in particular client is in a virtual or hybrid environment. So you don't have to be in the office every day, but on this very specific day, they had an all call, which means everybody is into the office. So no excuses, no uh, meetings outside of the office. They've gotta be in the office all day long. Well, in this particular case, this, this person calls up, not even calls, he texted, his employer, my client, and he says, I can't make it in today, 15 minutes before the all call, meaning if they're supposed to all be there by eight, it's like 7.45 in the morning. He says, I can't come in today. My client, he texts this guy, why not? And the guy says, oh, I got a meeting. And the day goes by and my client has not addressed this. I'm talking to my client on Monday. So this was on a Friday. I'm talking to my client on a Monday. The weekend has all gone by. I said, how did you handle that situation? And he says, well, I figured I'd just talk to him the next week at our scheduled meeting. They had a scheduled meeting that afternoon. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so I hear you. There's a no shame philosophy, which means we're not going to shame him. We're not going to make him wrong for this decision. But we're going to understand what went through his mind to make him think that it was okay on an all-call day to not be present. And is it appropriate to do that, not 24 hours later, not 48 hours later, but over 72 hours later? What's your opportunity to correct that situation and to support that employee in getting to the all call when it's been 72 hours since the all call? He says, oh, missed opportunity. Okay. So there's no shame in that. It's just saying something happened, something occurred, and we get to understand why it occurred or how it occurred or the constraints that happened around it so that we can move through it to create the result we want. So he ends up meeting with his employee because it's not too late to have the conversation. It just means it's too late to interrupt whatever the pattern was that made him believe that he didn't have to be there. Now, this is not the first time that this happened with this particular employee. Almost every time there was an all call in the past three months, kind of all calls a lot, but they have them about once a month. So three occurrences. He had chosen not to come. So my, my client, he calls up his employee and he says, hey, you got a few minutes? I says, yes. And they talk through, hey, what came up for you? And tell me about this, about why you didn't show up. And then the guy had some kind of excuse. Well, I had an appointment and blah, blah, blah. And, and my client, he realized that this guy didn't really understand the importance of alcohol. And then he thought about the history of this client or this of this employee of his. He'd never been in an environment before where his presence was wanted nor needed. 
he didn't really understand what an all call what meant that everybody was in the office and there was a given reason for that whether it was a meeting or camaraderie or whatever it was he didn't really understand that and so once my client gave him the impression that really it was important to be at the all call it changed his view now will he show up for the next all call or not i don't know it hasn't happened yet but i'll be interested to see if it changes the pattern it may or may not but it's a no shame philosophy when we're talking about growth you can be you can wag your finger at somebody you know what i'm talking about this think about it the mom or the dad who's telling the little kid no no you did that wrong nothing good happens from a shaming philosophy maybe you've heard our people say shame on you like bringing shame on you or your family because of this decision that you made shame is not actually a thing Shame is something that people want to project onto other people, but it's not real. It's just saying, I'm frustrated about something, and now I'm going to make you feel bad about it. So I'm going to project my anger or my frustration onto you to make you feel bad. Well, I can't change somebody's opinion because I'm frustrated or mad. That doesn't work. So the shaming philosophy, it doesn't exist. It, it's a, it's a made-up thing to make somebody feel a certain way. But the reality is I'm not responsible for somebody else's feelings and I can't make somebody feel something. So the shaming philosophy doesn't work. But what does work is being curious and understanding that this is the expectation that we want. This is the result that we wanna create. So how can I support, how can I be in partnership with this person to get there? Now, when I have, when I work with my employees, there's two things that we always look at. Are they capable and are they open to coaching? So if you've got a, an employee right now who, one, are, you find out that they are capable. Like the, the scenario that I'm telling you about, the employee is capable of coming in on an all-call day. Yes, he's got a car. He can physically get into the all-call. So that's not the issue. But is he open to coaching? That is yet to be seen. If he does not make it to the next all call, then I would be confident in saying, no, he's not open to coaching. And in that case, it's a pretty clear decision that he gets to go. But most of the time, what I find is that employees are open to coaching. And so in that case, if they're capable and open to coaching, then what we get to be as the managers, we get to guide them and we get to coach them and develop them. And shaming means we're saying that all of their past that they're bringing in, because let's, let's be honest, we are walking around with backpacks of our, our past experiences. They're like rocks weighing us down. Maybe this guy has never shown up on time to anything in his life. That's very possible. And we get to be the one that interrupts it and says, hey, I get that in the past. That might be the past, but today is the day you're going to show up. Today is the day we're going to shift that pattern. Now, see how in high school that may have interrupted that or in the K through 12 environment with the guidance counselors, if you didn't show up, what would they do? Would they come to your house? There's stuff set into place. But in the school system today, we just don't have those kind of standards that we used to. And so it is leaking into the corporate world. We get the byproduct of some of these challenges that we've had in the K through 12 environment. And so we get to be as managers, the interrupters, but not through a shaming process. 
through treating people with love and understanding what's going on. But ultimately, you get to coach and coach and coach until they're either not capable or not open. But if they are, if they're either of those things, then we keep going. And so that's the really cool thing about working in the no shame philosophy. Remember, nothing ever happens in the no shame, using shame. It's not a thing that you want. It's not a tool you want to bring forward. And so the no shame philosophy allows us to be curious and understand what's really going on with our employees to support them in their growth. So that's the first thing we have to think about when we are being guidance counselors, the no shame philosophy and really utilizing that. So I'm not going to shame somebody for their choice. I'm going to seek to understand why they made that choice. And then I'm going to support them in what some alternative choices could be. Okay, so that's number one, no shame philosophy. Number two, see their value and remind them of it. Our job as people that are responsible for other people in a management or leadership position, now when I say responsible for people, I don't mean I am the one that is making someone do something. I mean that they're put under my care as my team. And so I am responsible for them, for their growth. And so my job is to see the value of my team and remind them of their value. Because oftentimes people forget their own value. Heck, I forget my own value some days. And I either get to remind myself of my value or I get to have other people remind me of my value. Get to be really clear that there is value there. But it's really easy to forget our own value. And so as employers, we get to see the value in each of the people around us. Now, let me tell you, I've had some employees that absolutely stunk at their jobs. Stunk. I had one who, who she, was, she was a doozy. And when I say that, I mean, she was a wonderful person. She couldn't show up on time. She didn't do what we asked of her. And she had a negative attitude for most, like 90% of the time. And so by all intents and purposes, Sue was a pretty horrible employee. But what I saw was she was really a nice person. She seemed totally out of alignment with her role. Totally out of alignment. And so what we did was we found a new job for her. And it wasn't even with our company. It was with another company, one of my friend's companies. But I felt like her value was different than what we had assigned a value to. So the role that she was in was just not a fit. And because of the company structure that we had, there wasn't another role within the company. But my friend had a company that I thought, gosh, I see what's possible for her. And I actually think she would thrive in this environment. And guess what? We moved her. And she did so well. Now, I know as the CEO of the company, it can be hard to look at all of your employees and do this, but the managers who have that connection with the employees absolutely can do this. So see their value. How do you see somebody's value? You look for what's working. Now, we've talked about this formula on this show, the Kathleen Reeson show before, and I want to remind you of it. There's always something that's working. There's always something that's not working and there's always things that get to change. Now, given any circumstance, there might be more in one bucket than the other. What's working, what's not working, what gets to change. But there's always something in one of those categories. And what you're looking for when you're seeing somebody's value is what is consistently in the what's working category. 
So maybe they're friendly with their employees. Now I had one employee who was very friendly with the employees. In fact, too friendly with the employees. We had a case where there was a sexual harassment claim against this employee. Now this employee, once I dug and got curious because at first I was furious, the opposite of furious, I get to go into curious. And so I went into curious and I got to understand what was happening. What I realized was that this employee really didn't have the boundaries around what a healthy relationship with other people meant, meaning he is, in this case, he was a manager, so I was managing a manager, and he had employees, and he really didn't understand that you don't date your employees in this environment. Our, we had a policy around this, but we didn't strictly enforce it because in the past, it just hadn't been something we had to strictly enforce. But in this case, this guy, he didn't have the boundaries in himself inherently. And I realized, wow, everybody else we had employed in this role up until this point had been married and uh, was not really on the market. And so it wasn't an issue. And I got to change my management style in supporting in the clarity around these policies because he just didn't know. And so then he attempted to be in a relationship with one of his employees. She didn't like it. And so she filed a sexual harassment claim. Now it wasn't, I, I could see exactly where this is all coming from, from a space of curiosity. And I realized it was about his boundaries. I hadn't supported him in understanding what that meant. So I got to see where the gap was. And I got to understand that this guy, he had tremendous value in that role, but he just didn't understand what those boundaries look like. And so we got to redefine the boundaries for him. And we got to be clear about what the boundaries were in all aspects with him, with the employees, so that everybody knew where the boundaries were. And once we were able to do that, we were able to move forward. But see, oftentimes we forget that. We forget that, that our boundaries aren't somebody else's boundaries. And so we get to understand where our employees are coming from so that we can support them in growth. So hear that in that we get to look at somebody's value. And if they're not the right fit for the job in front of us, we get to be curious as to why not. And we get to remind them of their value and find the place that's going to work the best. It may not be with us. Now, we've trained a lot of employees, spent a lot of time developing them. And I always, I always have people ask me, Kathleen, what happens if you develop your employees and they choose to leave? And maybe you've heard this famous line, but it's my philosophy. And they say, but Kathleen, so they say, Kathleen, what happens if you develop your employees and they decide to leave? And I say, what happens if I don't and they decide to stay? What happens if I don't and they decide to stay? And so for me, I always err on the side of developing them, even if they're going to leave. And in order to develop somebody, we get to understand what's working with them over and over again, and then remind them of that value. So their friendliness, how they approach people, whatever it is that's working for them, we get to identify that and remind them of it. Because as human beings, remember, our brains are geared towards primal instincts, which means we want to protect ourselves. We don't protect ourselves from what's working because that's not a threat for us. We protect ourselves against what's not working. That's where we put our focus. 
And so if you are a manager, what you're doing when you're reminding somebody of their value is you're interrupting that primal instinct and saying, I get that you might be in a what's not working conversation because that's safety and protection for you. But I'm going to highlight what is working. I'm going to show you your value and I'm going to remind you of it over and over again. Because when somebody plays from that space, that's where we create productivity and performance, not from the primal space. We just aren't as effective when we're constantly in a fear state. But when we can move over to the what's working state, wow, that's that's ultimate performance. But as a manager, it's our job to support our employees in getting there. Well, it would be great if they could just do that on their own, but that's not always the case. Oftentimes, it's a manager or somebody that can really see the bigger picture, not be attached to it or, or in it with an employee who has the ability to say, hey, this is what I see as your value and remind them of it. It might be every day. Think about if you're going to go on a long drive in your car, you got to fill it up with gas, which is very expensive right now, but you got to keep filling it up. It's the same thing with our employees and showing them their value. Keep filling up the tank. Keep reminding them. Right, you're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We're going to want to go to a quick break. And when we get back, we've got two more tips and tools for you on being the guidance counselor. We'll talk to you just after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about the new role of managers, guidance counselors. Yay! So I'm excited about that because I believe that emotional intelligence is such an important part of how we work in our businesses and also in the education system. So what does that all mean? Why does it matter? Because we have employees that do not have that basis for emotional intelligence and they're coming into our workplace and they require that. They may not say that outright, but they're demonstrating it by the behaviors in which they're acting. So for example, I was telling you just before break about my employee who got into a sexual harassment claim because he really hadn't set boundaries, wasn't aware of them, to set. So never in his life had he encountered what was appropriate behavior between a manager and a, an employee. And I didn't know coming in that he didn't know this, but we quickly realized it when we got a sexual harassment claim. Super fun. And I say that jokingly, it was not super fun. Nothing about it was fun. 
And it seemed like a common sense thing, but common sense to you and common sense to somebody else are not the same thing. And so we really get to understand and not project our beliefs onto somebody else. So number three, we've talked about in the tools to being a guidance counselor at work. Let's talk, the first one was the no shaming philosophy. So we covered that. The second one, see their value and remind them. And the third one is feedback. You've heard me talk about feedback before, but I want to emphasize the importance of feedback. Feedback is somewhere, is pieces of information. That's all it is. It's not good, bad, negative, or positive. It's just information. And so feedback is something that you get to deliver to someone else, but only if they're open. And so the very first thing we get to say is, are you open to feedback? Now, as a parent, this is no different than at work. I had a situation yesterday with my youngest or with my oldest son. He got to go camping this weekend and we came home and we got to, he went with my husband, but they came home and all the gear got to be cleaned. Got to be washed. It was wet. The tent had to be set out. Had to, there was a process that we got to go through. Now my husband and my son, they were tired, but it still got to get done. And so about an hour into this whole process, the, the tent had all been set up and they actually, they, it was more than that, it was a couple hours because the tent had actually dried and they were getting to, ready to put it away. And I could tell my oldest son was getting tired because he'd been out at a busy weekend, had volunteered all week, the week before for a vacation Bible school. Like he was tired and we got to deliver some feedback to him about that experience and he didn't like it. It was uncomfortable for him. And there was a moment when how he reacted to that feedback and what he created around that looked like an anxiety attack. And you got to really think about that to say, huh, we delivered this feedback. He didn't like it. And it created a reaction that neither of us liked. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, can that happen in the workplace? Can we deliver feedback? And then it creates a reaction in somebody else based on how they receive it that they don't like. And that could be seen as threatening. And now all of a sudden you're threatening. It's possible. Totally possible. So here's the step that we get to put in front of that to make sure that somebody's ready to hear feedback. I realized that this, this step, I forgot it yesterday. And it created this storm that happened. But when you use it, you can understand whether somebody's ready to receive feedback or not. And it's a question. And here it is. Are you open to feedback? Are you open to feedback? Now, when you ask that, one of three things is going to happen. They're going to say yes or no. But when they say no, you're going to be able to interpret, do they really mean no? Did they really mean that? When they say yes, they could mean no, but they say yes. So here are the three options. Yes, and I mean it. Yes, and I don't mean it. And no. If you perceive it's a yes and I don't mean it, you get to dig in and say, well, I hear you say yes, but I don't really believe that you're a yes. Are you really open to feedback? Now, this can seem like a really long step. And and. It can seem like a step that's not needed, but it's actually setting the context for feedback because if somebody's not open, you're wasting your time and theirs by delivering any sort of message. They're not going to hear it. 
And remember the feedback that you deliver is just that, it's your feedback. It doesn't mean it's somebody else's. Ask 100 people, you got 100 different thoughts. But it's your feedback. So when we deliver feedback, we say, my experience of you is, and then you deliver the feedback. So my experience of you is tired. My experience of you is lazy. My experience of you is not wanting to try your best, whatever that is. But when you say, are you open to feedback? And they say yes, and you believe it. So they've enrolled you that they actually are open to feedback, meaning I want to grow, please support me. Then you get to land the feedback. My experience of you is. Now, oftentimes when people hear feedback, they think when or when they deliver the feedback, they think that somebody heard it. Because the words that you say, wouldn't it be great if you say A and somebody hears A, if you say two and somebody hears two? Well, when you're using very simple words like that, that's not that hard. You say 23, somebody hears 23. But what happens when you say 3,632,435.7653? I can't even repeat that. <coughs> Excuse me, it came off the top of my mind. I can't repeat that. I can't tell you what I just said. So if I say, what did you hear me saying? So I deliver my feedback that might sound like jumbled mess to the person that's listening. And I say, what did you hear me saying? And they attempt to articulate it back to me. And if they can't do it, then I know I didn't land my feedback. And so I get to say, pause, let's, let's go at this again. And I get to reiterate what it was that I was attempting to land in a different way. And then I get to say, what do you hear me saying? Because this is the art of communication that we often miss. It's saying, this is what I want you to hear, and this is what you're hearing, and they might be different. Because somebody hears through the context of which they have set for their life. So a guy could say, the sky is blue, but there are millions of different shades of blue. And while I may have a very specific blue shade in my head, you may have a very different one. And so knowing this is this what's really important, knowing that how somebody else views life is very different than how you view life. And it is not about right or wrong. It's about how we get to work together to understand where we're both headed. That is so important. And so in the spirit of giving feedback, in the spirit of giving feedback, we get to understand, one, are they open to feedback? Two, if they are, land the feedback. And three, make sure that what you wanted them to hear is what they heard. And you can even remind them, this is just my feedback. You could go ask other people and it might be different, but I'm just sharing with you my experience. And if they don't like that experience, if they don't like what they're hearing, this is not a, an end-all be-all. The reason we give feedback is to support someone else in their growth. And it's to create an environment that we like. So as a parent, I know that my job is to create respectable, healthy citizens so my children, I have a view, a vision of what my children get to be like. And I don't mean that their career or their economic status. I mean the kinds of human beings that they are. Respectful, kind, loving. That's the kind of children that I'm raising. 
And so when they have behavior that isn't in alignment with my vision for them, then my job is to offer them feedback in understanding where they're headed. Now, if my children declared a vision that was different than what my vision is for them, I would get to listen to that. But if my, my child, let's just say, happened to say, I want to be an angry person. Obviously, I would get to provide them feedback about why that vision is in conflict with the vision that I have for them and why that's not necessarily productive for them. But that's a very simplistic way to look at it. Let's break it down a different way. What if, let's say I had a dream that my oldest son was to be mm, a part of Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> you know, one of those little uh, acrobats, the coolest show. Okay, one of those acrobats. And let's say he said, I don't want to be that. I want to be a medical doctor. I've seen my vision for him will be different than his vision. And if I keep growing, raising, and essentially grooming him to be a Cirque du Soleil actor, but he really wants to be a doctor, then I'm not holding the vision that he wants. So at some point, I get to get out of that way and support him in being the doctor that he wants to be. So that is a more complex way. But if we're talking about traits in our ways of being kind, loving, gentle, whatever those are, that's a little bit different because I can guide into those and I can coach into those. I believe fundamentally that's what sets us up to be good humans. Now, if he tells me at some point that that's not the kind of person that he wants to be, then that's different. But I do have conversations often with him about the kind of person that he wants to be. And up until now, we've been in alignment. And so that's, that's just some conversations you can have with your kids, of course, but it's really about with your employees too, because when conflict occurs, it's oftentimes because there is a difference in vision. And we can easily say, well, they don't have vision. Maybe not. Maybe they, they, everybody has vision. It's just theirs might be really short term and yours might be longer term. So like my son's saying he wants to be a doctor and I'm saying he wants to be a Cirque du Soleil actor. He might be saying, instead, I can't really even see any of those in the future. I actually just want to make it through the day. And so his vision is just goes until the end of the night. And that's okay, too. But that doesn't mean that we don't get to think into the future. We still get to hold that vision. So that goes back to number two, seeing value and, and coaching them into it continuously. But my job is to provide feedback to continue down that path so that they get where they want to go, even when they can't see it. And as a manager and as this new role of guidance counselors, it's your job to give feedback based on the roles that you've assigned to these employees. So if you've got an employee who's in a role, but they're not necessarily playing in that role, you get to support them in growing into that role and offering feedback about what's not working, what is working and what gets to change. So all three of those, it's not just focusing on one or the other, it's about all of it. And remember the magic language. Are you open to feedback? Yes or no? And make sure it's a believable yes. And then my experience of you is, whatever that is, and then the last piece, which is the magical piece. What did you hear me say? And ensure that what they heard you say is what you wanted to say. So that is the process of feedback that we get to coach into because it's so important as the manager as the guidance counselor that we walk through that process to support our employees. Okay, we're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we will wrap all of this up. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. 
Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We have been talking all about the role of managers, guidance counselors. That's our new role. How cool is that? So we talked about the no shaming philosophy. We've talked about seeing the value of our employees and reminding them. We've talked about feedback. And this last one is the fourth one, creating growth opportunities. It's so important that we create opportunities for our employees. It doesn't have to be big promotions, but it does have to be continuing to grow in their skill set because that is what employees are craving. And so it is our job as the managers, as the guidance counselors, whatever you want to call yourself, to identify paths for people to grow. Now, that may not look like uh, huge steps. For example, my husband, that's the first, first thought that's coming to my mind. He was in a role probably 15 years ago, and the only place for him to go was in his boss's job. His boss was not anywhere close to retirement. He wasn't planning on going anywhere and everybody stalled out. So every single day they did the exact same role. Every day looked like the next day and the last day before that. And so there was so much monotony. And what ended up happening is a lot of people left. They had huge turnover. There was really nowhere for people to go. But there were plenty of growth opportunities. There were plenty of new skill sets that this team could have taken on, but they didn't. They didn't weren't given those opportunities. They would ask for them and they were shut down. And so don't be that person be the manager that says, I can create growth opportunities for those around me. And whatever that is, maybe there's stuff that I'm doing that's on my plate that I could offer to somebody else to do that I could teach. Because we can get into this mindset to say, if I give all my job away, then what will I do? I won't have a job. That's a very scarcity mindset. In reality, if everyone is capable of doing my job, how cool will that be? Because then I can figure out more we can grow and we can take on more opportunities. And so that's a really cool place to play from, really fun place to play from. So as a manager, know that you get to create growth opportunities, just like that guidance counselor in high school is saying, what's next for you? Where do you get to go? Where do you get to play? What do you get to create? You're doing the exact same thing, but with your employees. And so the new role as a manager is guidance counselor. So my four tools for you today, the ones we've covered, the no shame philosophy. Remember, it is not a bad thing to have a conversation with your employees about understanding where they're coming from. Typically, there's a values difference. Typically, there's something that they haven't experienced before. You have a different lens as a manager than your employees have. And so you get to be curious and understand where really is the challenge here, not from a shaming perspective, no good, bad, right or wrong. Number two, understand that everyone has a value and you get to remind them of it every single day. Number three, offer feedback. Are you open to feedback? My experience of you is, what are you hearing me say? Those are the magic words. Number four, we just talked about creating growth opportunities. So you now have these tools to be the guidance counselor of your company. It's really exciting because that is what our companies are calling forward. Now, next week, we are actually talking about a really 
fun topic, one that's near and dear to my heart, just like this one, we are turning a bad client into a dream client. I've worked with a lot of professional service companies, and oftentimes what I hear is this struggle with the bad client, the one that is toxic to the company, the one where your salespeople or your lead account teams are turning over because they don't want to work with this client. I actually have a client right now who's saying, should I fire the client? So, so he has a client that's bad in their minds, a bad client saying, should I fire the client? Because every time I get a really great account executive in here, they end up leaving because of this client. And I believe that you can turn a bad client into a dream client. We're going to talk about how on next week's show. How cool is that? And then the next week, we're going to talk about attracting the dream client. So turning a bad client into a dream client, that's next week. The next week, it's about attracting the dream client. So now you know who you want. Now, how do you get them to come towards you so you don't have to spend all your energy going to find them? They can actually find you. So that is the next two weeks of shows. Very excited about what we're creating here in the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Now, as you know, I am an executive coach. You may not know, but I'm an executive coach and I speak all over the world. We talk about these kinds of topics that have to do with advisory, executive advisory in the, the space of how do I really grow? So it's about emotional intelligence topics in your business. There's a lot around those topics, but if you have any questions about employee conflict, about how you lead in these areas, reach out. There's probably a radio show that we've done on those topics, or we'll cover one. You can come onto the show and we can talk about it too. So just reach out. My email is Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. That's Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. But again, we cover topics like what we talked about today, which was the new role of managers, the guidance counselors. We cover all kinds. We've talked about different communication styles, anything that you need to lead in an emotionally intelligent world, which is the world that we're living in, and be productive. So it's super fun. And if you have any questions about it, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. So the thing that I'm going to leave you with today is the new role of managers, guidance counselors. It's really important that we play this role because guess what? No one else is. Therapists' office are full. We don't have therapists on staff. Most companies, maybe you do. Most companies don't have therapists on staff. We don't necessarily need them. What we need are people that can be empathetic, managers that can understand their employees. And I believe that you have the power to do that. And today I am empowering you to be that for your employees. So remember, no shame philosophy, offer their value consistently, remind them, give feedback and provide growth opportunities. Those are really important to keeping your employees. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you next Monday. Listen to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here at Inspire Choices Network. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.